0: A new CDC study found construction and food service workers were more likely to have died from drug overdoses during the COVID-19 pandemic compared to workers in other professions. The construction industry in 2020 had nearly 131 deaths per 100,000 workers, while food service had the second highest at 99 deaths. The results reflect the increasing availability of synthetic opioids like fentanyl. This is Pulse Check. I'm Chelsea Ceruzzo. Health insurers will be required to cover a long-acting injectable to prevent HIV infections starting a year from now, the U.S. Preventative Services Task Force announced Tuesday. The Advanced Research Project's Agency for Health is asking for research proposals to dramatically improve cancer treatment through surgery, covering everything from inside-the-body imaging to remove cancer cells to smarter surgical tools that could prevent accidental injuries to patients. And as social media becomes an increasingly popular way to market prescription drugs, regulators are struggling to keep up with new concerns around influencers, content, and blurred lines between promotion and personal endorsement. Politico FDA reporter Lauren Gardner is here to explain. Thanks for having me, Chelsea. So can you tell us what's going on?
1: Yeah, so the FDA was required in a 2007 law to update their standards for broadcast ads. So the drug ads that you see on TV and here on the radio. And the main thing about that rule is how the information about the drugs is presented. You see ads on TV all the time with people dancing and singing and smiling and talking about the benefits of this drug. And you hear at some point during the commercial all the potential side effects, risks, interactions with other drugs that drug may have. And those advertisements are all regulated by the FDA. Now, some folks who have weighed in on that rule are also concerned about another area where you can see a lot of drug ads pop up, and that's social media, which is a whole different animal to regulate. And in some instances, that's where the FDA's authority can get a little fuzzy.
0: What are some of the main concerns about influencers promoting drugs on social media? And could regulation address those concerns?
1: In terms of what the FDA can and can't do, they can regulate prescription drug promotion that is issued by or on behalf of a drug manufacturer, a packer, or a drug distributor. So sometimes you go online and you see just straight up ads for a drug, right? And you can scroll through and see the information. And then sometimes you might see a celebrity endorsement. For example, Kim Kardashian was promoting a morning sickness drug several years ago that she apparently took while she was pregnant. And she was paid for her promotion, but didn't include some of the standards that you see when celebrities do these kinds of paid endorsement deals like hashtag ad, hashtag spawn con. And she also didn't talk about the potential limitations limitations of the drugs. So the drug manufacturer in that case got a warning from FDA saying, hey, this doesn't meet our standards, and you need to redo this. So there's those kinds of examples. But then you get into the world of influencers and micro influencers. And it's just a totally different animal where you might have these folks online who have cultivated followings, they have 1000s of followers, but they aren't celebrities in the traditional way that we think of them, but they still are influential in the communities that they've cultivated. And in these scenarios, you have some who are patient advocates who might be posting a lot of content about a condition that they live with and that they might be taking some sort of medication treatment for. And where there's some concern from consumer advocates is that, you know, some of these folks just are giving personal testimonials about their lives and how they're treating and dealing with their conditions. And then there are others who are doing that, but also maybe working with drug companies or with middlemen who connect them to drug companies to produce some of this content that, depending on how you interact with it, may lead you to, say, a website that is sponsored by that drug maker. So that's the world in which some of these advocacy groups are concerned that there might not be as much government regulation as they would like to see.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, now that you mention, I've seen people on my Instagram from Lady Gaga to smaller influencers talking about drugs. So that makes a lot of sense. Why would drug companies want to use social media to promote their drugs? Influencers can have these really intimate
1: connections with their followers where they feel like they're a friend that you know have cultivated these relationships, they might DM with some of their followers. And a pharma company might like to tap into that because of just the general public perceptions of pharmaceutical companies. One expert who studies this issue was talking to me about this. And she said drug companies have had this persona over the years of being seen as the bad guy. They're vilified for drug prices in popular culture. You know, you have everything that's happened in the opioid space in the last two decades. It's a way for them to connect with potential consumers without... Being being overtly like, I am the drug company trying to sell you this product. So it taps into an existing network and a trusted communicator for certain people that may be potential customers down the line.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you see influencers sharing everything from their marriages to having children. It's like having this friend. But when it comes to social media, it can be so personalized and so fast moving. Does that make it harder for regulators to keep up with drug marketing on platforms like Instagram and X, formerly known as Twitter?
1: Yeah, that's something that some of the advocates I was speaking to were saying, you know, there's all these different types of content you can interact with, like direct messages, disappearing content, like Instagram stories and Snapchat, super short videos that pop up on platforms like TikTok. It can just make it really, really hard to keep track of the content itself and what information is being presented. Like I'd mentioned earlier, there's also these scenarios where you have marketing companies that are connecting influencers with drug companies, and they can create this unbranded content where they're talking about a condition. Say someone's talking about, hey, I really wanted to quit smoking, and they do some kind of video or reel or what have you talking about that goal of theirs. And then if you swipe through the content, there's a link along the way, and that might lead you to a website that is sponsored by someone who makes a drug that helps you to quit smoking. one example that Erin Willis at the University of Colorado at Boulder had given me is something she's seen pop up online. So that's where there's some concern about how gray is this area and how large is it? There's clearly a tie to the drug company here. But you know, where does this become advertising? And where does this become just educational content? And how can regulators step in here? Or can they because
0: then it becomes a free speech issue too. So what's next? With all that in mind, what steps are regulators like the FDA taking going forward to oversee drug marketing? The last guidance that FDA issued on social media marketing was back in 2014.
1: So some folks are calling on the FDA to update that and to foster more clarity about what they can and can't do in this space. The other regulator in the advertising space is the Federal Trade Commission. And the FTC just broadly has jurisdiction over advertising and truthfulness standards. And the FDA specifically has authority over prescription drug marketing. So where the FDA can't act, the FTC theoretically can. But like I was saying earlier, it's just such a dynamic and fast moving space that it's just inherently difficult for any regulator to keep track over it. So that's why some of these consumer advocates are calling for regulators to basically pay more attention to this and figure out what more they could possibly do to oversee the promotions that are happening in this space. And now separately from social media where FDA is acting is a final rule updating standards for radio and TV ads. And the big issue here is whether or not FDA is going to require, in some way, shape or form superimposed text on commercial ad for the potential risks and drug interactions that a advertised drug presents to consumers. So one of the areas where we could see some change is FDA may ask drug makers to include a text explanation of that audio that you typically see FDA studied this issue more than 10 years ago, and their research suggested that it may benefit consumers to both hear the explanation of side effects and other risks and also to read it on the screen. Now, pharma, the major trade group for drug makers, they've argued that it's not necessary. It actually could be confusing to consumers and might actually discourage appropriate uptake of a drug. If a consumer is inundated with risk information, they might interpret that overly negatively. They argue so it's unclear whether that will be in the final rule but that's one of the main
0: pressure points that i'm looking at as we wait for this to come out well i'll definitely be thinking about this next time i'm scrolling through instagram thanks so much for talking with us lauren yeah thanks for having me and that's our show our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster cylinder afra abdullah is our producer Annie Reese is our senior producer. Our healthcare team editors are Eli Reyes, Dan Goldberg, Barbara Van Tyne, Beth Belton, and Sean Zeller. I'm Chelsea Ceruzzo. Subscribe and follow PostChuck for a new episode every day. And subscribe to our newsletters where you can read this reporting: Pulse, Future Pulse, and Prescription Pulse. Thanks for listening.